Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Somos Mas, the official podcast of Somos Mas and and your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United. My name, of course, is Seth Benoff. Joining me tonight, we have Jacob Terrell and special guest David Carl from New Mexico United. Uh, David, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate you taking some time out of your evening. I know you're actually out of town right now, so uh, you know, we definitely appreciate you taking the, taking the time out and coming to talk to us. And uh, we, we talked to Peter yesterday. Got a great interview with him and. Uh, I got to ask you first and foremost, you know, most people know you as one of the co-founders of the curse, president of the curse. And now you've transitioned into the role that we know you more as now, you know, we deal with you more, more frequently. And how's that transition been for you? And how hard is it to not cheer in the press box as we've been told not to do? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me on guys. Appreciate you you having me here. And yeah, I'm, I'm out of town. I'm in, uh, in Ohio visiting some family actually going to kind of make this all work out family out here in columbus uh and then we're gonna i got we got chanel and i got here today and we're gonna drive out on saturday out to louisville uh from here so my family will all be there watching the match um on sunday uh and then uh we'll fly back from louisville to albuquerque kind of a nice little quick trip and and see the guys hopefully get a win uh in louisville on sunday but to answer your question uh you know the, the transition's been been fun and exciting and weird and all these different adjectives. Um, but uh, to answer your, your more direct question, it is incredibly difficult to not cheer in the press box, uh, which is which is why I think you're well aware you're up there every match with me. Uh, we uh, As long as there's not an away team representative in the press box, we, we kind of ignore that rule, if I'm going to be really honest. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's extremely hard. And, and, you know, Jacob and Earl typically go down to the dugout and they're on the field and doing stuff and hanging out down there, talking to some folks down there. And I know last night, you know, it was it was really hard last night. Uh, you know, there was, of course, the, the RGV uh, video analyst up there in the box. And uh, I will say that he was not happy with, with the way things were going last night. And uh, he, he left rather quickly. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we made sure to thank him for coming and wish him the best on his journey and all that kind of stuff. And then as soon as uh, as soon as he left the press box, I think we had a little bit of a cheer. So uh, pretty much impossible for me to ever stop being a fan. That's the thing. You know, I started off that way. And even though I I get paid now, uh, I'm always going to be a fan of this club. How soon after the announcement of the club did you actually get together with with RJ and form the curse and how quickly did that come about? And yeah, this is something that I've been kind of curious about what actually goes into creating a supporters group and getting involved with the ISC. Yeah. Uh, creating a supporters group, man, if you figure that one out, you let me know uh, because I, I don't think there's like a playbook for it. Right. So, you know, shortly after um, the team was announced, actually the next day after the team was announced, there was kind of a meet and greet at a local bar uh, where Pete was going to be there and Ron Patel and Lucas. Um, and, you know, it said, you know, if you're interested in kind of meeting some of the front office folks, come on out. I wasn't at the the announcement that a bunch of people were at when, when the club was actually announced as USL New Mexico. But that second day I went there and met a couple of the folks there. I'd known Ron and Lucas from their time with the Albuquerque Soul. Um, I was a fan of them. And uh, they had a form there that you could fill out if you were interested in season tickets. So I filled that form out and on there was a checkbox. You could check this box if you're interested in being part of a supporters group or supporters group leadership, I think it was. And so I checked the box um, and filled out the form and signed up for my season tickets, put down my deposit. And then a couple of days later, got an email from Lucas uh, and a few other folks were on that email. And he said, the six of you guys check the box. I'm going to leave you alone to do whatever it is you want to do on the supporters group thing. So it was myself, 
Andrew Bolte, RJ Montano, and three other folks. Um, and we all met up at Steelbender Brewyard a couple days later and uh, said, let's, uh, let's make a supporters group. And it kind of went from there. Our goal was to have 50 people by the end of the year in year one, and we ended up with 550. Uh, so, so it was, it was crazy. It was a whirlwind. Um, and I'm sure we did a lot of things wrong and I'm sure we could have done things a lot better, but I'm happy with how it turned out. So with your role with New Mexico United now, how did that transition come up and what is, what technically is your job description for New Mexico United? <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, it's funny the way it came up was I, like a lot of other people got laid off during COVID. Um, you know, I was, uh, I was the director of communications up at Santa Fe public schools. Um, and you know, public schools, man, they deal with a lot of budget cuts during COVID, you know, they try and keep people around and they can only do so much and public school districts in general are underfunded as it is. And then adding a global pandemic to that. Uh, and so kind of my whole department was cut. Um, and I, I texted Pete, not looking for a job, just kind of as a friend and said, Hey, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm out of work. <laughs> uh, and it was just kind of serendipitous timing that the previous communications director, Jessica Campbell, um, was just about to move on to a gig with the city of Albuquerque. Uh, and so, you know, talked to Pete a little bit, you know, he let me know that I didn't know that at the time he let me know that that was a possibility. And, and we kind of worked together to make it a little bit more than just communications director. Right. So the comms is my background. It's, you know, it's what I've worked in. I was a reporter for a while and then made the switch over to communications. Um, but you know, my heart really more than anything is with the fans. My heart more than anything is with, you know, the supporters culture and, and all of that. And so Pete and I had a conversation, um, that came down to let, let's create this role. It's kind of a hybrid role where it's your director of communications and all the stuff that you normally do, the stuff that I interact with you guys on, you know, with press conferences and, you know, press box and all that kind of stuff, um, press releases. Um, but then in addition to that, I, I really wanted kind of the role being the liaison between fans and club, making sure that fans have a voice at the table, making sure fans' voices are, fans voices are heard. Um, I think it's a really important role. Um, and some clubs have a role similar to that. Some don't. We didn't have a role similar to that. So I, I said to Pete, I, I would love to make kind of this hybrid role, make sure that we make sure that fans are, are always represented, whether they're part of a supporters group or not, whether they're part of this supporters group, that supporters group, no matter where they sit in the stadium, whether it's their first game or their 50th game, um, so we kind of made this hybrid role. And as far as the job description, it changes depending on the day. As some folks may not know that even though you're you're in this official capacity with the club, you do still go down. You march for the curse every match. You do you still participate. I mean, uh, for I think what was it, a few a few weeks ago, you, uh, you went down, you dressed as a banana and hanging <laughs> out and. Uh, you know, you, you still seem to enjoy the the aspects uh, of both sides of it. And, yeah. you know, from our perspective, like we enjoy that because, you know, we do get that interaction that a lot of folks don't see. And I think, you know, coming from that, that fan experience to now working with the club directly, I think that's a that's an interesting link in it. It lets you like connect more with, with the fans. I agree. I agree. And I think I appreciate you saying that. Um, I think it's just it allows for that level of realness. I think, you know, something that I think Pete mentioned to you in the, in the interview he did with you the other day, Seth, um, we wanted to create this team and, and they wanted to create this team when they created it um, with as few barriers as possible, whether that be on a media level or whether that be, you know, on a fan level, you know, this, this should feel like our community team because it is. 
Um, and I, I think it just kind of makes sense. You know, I, I am a lifelong member of the curse. Um, you know, I, I'm proud of, of all of the supporters groups that we have, the supporters culture that we've built, you know, whether it's, you know, Sector 114 or 205 Front Row or the Set Piece Ultras or the Black Diamonds. And there's, there's this goes on, La Maldición, Cursitos and the curse. I mean, we have an incredible supporters culture. And that's something I'm really, really proud of. Um, and selfishly, I just want to be a part of it, too. I think that that's something that is easy to overlook, right? Like, just because I work for the team doesn't mean I'm not a human, right? I, I enjoy supporting this team. I enjoy being part of it. Um, and I think the supporters groups that we have do an incredible job of, of making that accessible for everybody. And I'm I'm really happy that I get to be a part of it. Yeah, you, you, we mentioned the the accessibility and the, the openness and Peter not wanting there to be any barriers. And, you know, from season one, like we've seen that, you know, through the different projects that have popped up from Somos Sanitos News to Seek and Strike to, to us and, you know, even the the, the larger news outlets uh, here in town, you know, the, the TV stations and ESPN radio. And there's always been this tremendous level of access. And I think, honestly, since season one, I think it's grown even more. Even last year when the team was on the road, and that had to have been a unique uh, set of uh, circumstances and difficulties with that. And just still being able to, to communicate with you guys and, you know, working through that. And, you know, even you know this year, dealing with all the, the COVID restrictions and things. And I think that the club has handled it fantastically. And, you know, I think that the – because, you know, we talked to other folks – that don't get the same level of access and at this level of professional sports at, you know, division two soccer, like I think a lot of the coverage is, it comes from smaller outlets. And so being able to have that access is just absolutely tremendous and it helps the growth. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, like I said, I, I'm a, I'm a former journalist. So that, that access is important to me too, right? The, the ability for people to be able to tell the story and you don't need to necessarily be, you know, you don't need to have a, a big outlet behind your name in order to be willing to tell a story. Um, and I think that's really, really important. So, you know, whether it's a blog or a big newspaper or a TV station or somewhere in between, you know, everybody has the right to tell a story. Um, and, and who am I to say that they can't? Now, when we get to a point where we only have a certain amount of space in the press box, we got to figure that out. We can't give people 10 press passes. But you know, I, I think it's great. You know, I remember in uh, in 2019, um, and I think in, in pieces of 2020, Little Miss Dalen, she was doing some some pieces that would go on the United website. And I think that's awesome. Um, you know, obviously Dalen has does not have a journalism degree. She's much too young for that, but she she wanted to tell stories and she loves the team, and I think that's wonderful. Um, so we want to encourage that wherever we can. Um, and, and again, the whole thing is about building community, right? Um, and it, it helps tell community stories. If you have people who are in the community, like you guys, people who are fans as well, you know, tell those stories. And, and I just, I think that's really important. So to the extent that we have the ability to, and you know, league restrictions and all that kind of stuff, we want to, we want to make the access available to, to whomever we can. All right. So if you are just now joining us, we have had a few folks pop in and, and, uh, and take a take a look here. If you are on Facebook, YouTube, as always, be sure to uh, hop over the comments. Uh, we've got David here. So if you've got questions, uh, we're going to talk about the bond. You know, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about RGV. We'll talk about Lou City. Throw your questions and comments up in the chat. We'll answer them you know, as best we can. David's here. You know, David can answer things that we can't. And so uh, appreciate everyone being here and uh, we'd like to see some interaction in the chat. And, and uh, so 
I mean, let, let's talk about it. You know, last night, New Mexico United uh, picked up a 2-0 win over RGV. And you know, we won 4-5 or five after a, a stretch where things weren't quite looking so good. And, and uh, you know, we thought we got to talk to Chris Weehan last night after the match. And Beasley's picked up five goals since his return, three in three matches. And, and uh, you know, David, from your perspective, you, know, you get to see the club on a daily basis. You get to see the guys and you get to be out there that the, – a training and things like that. What are you seeing that's translating from the practice field to the games? And that's really turned things around here, here the fat past few weeks. Yeah. I'm not out of training every day uh, by any means, but um, you know, I think I, I can see with the, the interactions the guys have, um, you know, Troy, Troy has always prided himself on having a positive locker room. Um, you know, you guys are well aware he's he's always wanted to keep the locker room relatively small for that reason to try and keep it positive. Make sure you've got guys competing out there. But when you bring guys in like David Najum, like Sully Muhammad, like Chris Weehan, I mean, those guys are such glue guys, not to mention being incredibly talented. But like they are guys with just the right work ethic and attitude and fight and grit and determination and I think they make the difference in any locker room. And, and not to say that there are any issues, you know, with, with the locker room as, as it was before. You've got incredible leaders like Kalen Ryden and Josh Suggs and Devin Sandoval, and, and I can name several others. Um, but when you bring in guys like that, I think it creates, one, a level of competition because these guys want to just fight for their spots. But two, I think, you know, Salim mentioned it last night in the press conference, Seth, you were there that level of accountability, right? He said coming here, he felt like the guys were keeping him accountable in these, in these, in training every single day. And, and he's returning the favor, right? These guys are fighting for positions. These guys are holding each other accountable. These guys are essentially upholding the ethos of the club, which is hard work, humility, and diligence. Um, and I think it's crucial. I think those guys have made such a huge, huge difference in the season. And in addition to that, you know, we, I think we all hoped that after that, you know, seven match streak without a win, um, that we would find the form, right? That we would, th this team is too talented to not find the form. I, I, I still think, you know, I know we had a lot of success in 2019 and 2020. We, you know, won our first playoff game. I think it's the most talented team we've ever had. I really do. Just, just top to bottom talent. Um, so you would really hope they would find their form and, and knock on wood. It seems like they, they may have just found that form at the right time. Uh, going into Lou City is, is no easy matchup, and I'm really excited for that one. But we're in the right form to be going out to the East Coast and playing one of the best teams in that conference. What do you, what do you think has changed from that seven-game streak to now, other than the new additions? I think a level of confidence, right? Um, you know, I think confidence is so easily won and lost, right? And it, it sometimes it has nothing to do with your form. It can literally be the balance of a ball, right? It can be things as simple as, you know, a, a goal being called offside that wasn't actually offside. It can be, you know, uh, that's that's not a subtweet, by the way. Um, you know, it, it, can be any it can be any number of things. But I think you just, you find that first flicker and there's gas in the room, right? And that first flicker of a match lights and sparks and all of a sudden you have a team with a little bit more swagger. Um, and I think these guys have some swagger and some confidence right now. Um, and here's hoping that continues. And like I said, confidence, I think, breeds success. And then success breeds confidence. Um, and you can either be on a positive cycle or you can be on a negative cycle. And right now, hopefully it seems, it seems like a positive one. And hopefully it keeps that way. 
let me ask you this during that, during that seven match stretch. And even before that, we've seen social media kind of tip towards, you know, one way. And I'm sure you're familiar with the, the, the Troy out sort of movement that had, that had gone on and sure. And how much of that actually gets back to the guys at the club, how much do they pay attention to that. And do they, and I don't know if you can speak to it, but do they take that and like use that as motivation to kind of write things? Well, I can tell you uh, in the in the front office, I see it. Um, you know, I, uh, I part part of what I, I do is on I'm on social media a lot too. You know, that's again something I enjoy interacting with the fans. But um, as far as the, the the players and the coaches, I don't think they see it quite as much. I know that Troy it doesn't really do social media at all. Um, but as far as kind of some of the, some of the players are more interactive on social media than others. You know, like guys like Sergio Rivas is on social all the time. Um, you know, Kalen Ryden, he throws a tweet here and there, um, but I don't think he really monitors it as much. Um, I think these guys are just so incredibly focused on the match to match day that I don't know that they necessarily get into that kind of minutia. Um, but if I'm one of those guys and I see something like that, it just motivates me more. Right. Like I these guys love Troy and they want to fight for him. And so when they I, I'd imagine, I, I, you know, I'm. This is speculation, but I imagine if they see something like that, if that's me, I, I want to fight for my coach. Yeah, no, and you know, that's something that you know, we've discussed several times. And, and as sports fans, you know, I'm, I'm I'm sure that there have been some Arsenal fans this this year that have kind of you know been on the you know Arteta out bandwagon, <laughs> and and so, but that's just that's just a natural reaction. I feel like when things aren't going well. Now, I do feel like there are some people that do take it too far, but that's, you know, it's just, I, I feel like as a, as a sports fan, you know, we're able to be critical and, you know, that's something that as, uh, you know, Jacob and Earl and myself as, as fans and as, as, as a group that covers the club, you guys have never stepped in and said, Hey, yeah, just guys, just, you know, back off. Cause I know that, you know, we've got to, I know that we at times do get critical and we question and we, you know, everyone's a Monday morning quarterback, you know, I, there's no way I could do what Troy or Zach or those guys do. And, and so has there ever been a point where you as like the communications director has felt like, okay, someone's kind of taken a little bit too far with this and maybe they need to take a step back. You know, uh, the way, the way I look at it, I don't necessarily have to agree with, with everything everybody's posting. I certainly don't, you know, at times, you know, I'm, I'm maybe Troy's number one fanboy to be, to be perfectly full disclosure with that said, you know, the thing I would really hate Seth, Jacob, would be if nobody was talking about it, right? The passion's there, people care. You know, whether they are really strong opinion in one way, whether they have a really strong opinion in the other way, whether I agree with them or not, it's important to see the passion. I mean, if, if we got just absolutely destroyed by, you know, four or five, six, seven goals, whatever, and nobody was complaining about it on social media, I'd be worried, man. I would be really worried. Um, but the fact that people care, the fact that there's passion, the fact that people are willing to say, hey, this doesn't seem right, or the fact that they're thrilled when we win on the other side of things. You know, the fact that we saw this huge level of excitement after a really great win last night, both of those things are equally important. And like I said, the minute we lose the passion is the minute we're in trouble. Yeah, I, I know that you're fairly active on Reddit, and I and uh, I know your username. I know there some folks don't know who you are, and so you. Have, I know yours too, by yeah, the way. I, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so you you kind of float under the, under the radar a little bit over on Reddit, 
And, uh, you know, there, I think, honestly, I think Reddit's one of the better places. I think it's, I think it's a fantastic community over there. And, uh, there's a lot of folks that have jumped in and gotten involved. And, and so I know you, you kind of, you know, pop into some threads and people don't really know that it's you. And so, you know, and, and like with me, like I, I, people know who I am. Cause I've made, I've made it very clear, you know, this is my name. This is what I do, you know, promoting the shows and talking about the club and stuff. And, yeah. and, uh, one question that I have been getting over there, I have seen is uh, earlier in this, or I think it's like 2019, the club was uh, broadcasting the post-match on like Instagram. Mm. And was, there was questions about, is that going to come back at some point? Yeah, man. I, I wanted to do that this year. Um, really wanted to do it this year. We the, the issue we had going into this year was just kind of personnel. Um, just trying to make things work out as far as timing goes and um, making sure that we got somebody over there who could record live stream it you know for example whether it be instagram twitter wherever um but yes is the answer to that want to do that um we're going to find a way to do that next year certainly um we wanted to do it this year just weren't able to make it happen um but yes is, is the short answer to that absolutely and i know you post the um you often post the, the the quotes from the quote sheet which is which is a nice way to make sure that people get that out there but yeah if we can give people the live stream the, the i think that like i said the big issue we had was personnel but the other thing was we need to make sure we can make it look good, right? I'm sure you guys remember earlier this season, uh, the preseason, we had that first game out of Mesa del Sol, <laughs> and the live stream was awful. Oh, God, it was so bad. And we did our best, but the Wi-Fi out there is terrible. The, the Internet's out there is terrible. Um, and it was it was shot on a phone, and it just wasn't, it wasn't the quality that we wanted, right? And so what I don't want to do is that. I don't want us to live stream, uh, you know, from a janky phone that, you know, we're getting, you know, six – six frames a minute, you know, it just looks terrible. So uh, yes is the answer. I want to do it next year. Just got to make sure we do it in a way where people can actually enjoy it. All right, Grant. I know some folks are going to be excited about that, and and yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I try to go out and post uh, whatever I can. I, you know, I've been taking the audio recordings from the from the pressers and putting those out as well, and people seem to be responding really well, and you know, we've gotten good feedback on that because, you know. As as open as the club is with us as as media that, that cover the club, you know sometimes the the community feels like okay, well we're not we don't understand what's going on, and so you know by by you or me or whoever putting out the the stuff from the from the presser like they're like okay we un- we kind of understand a little bit more what Troy's talking about and yeah you know I try to say you know I, I believe Troy's from the Bill Belichick school of. Uh, of uh, quotes and so he doesn't he tries not to give too much out there and uh i think it's fantastic you know we try to you know, we've talked about you know we try to break troy a little bit you know and and uh so we, we try to have fun but you know it's always appreciated you know, especially with guys and you know after i think a few weeks ago uh, i think it was justin which just was not happy after the match and so you're trying to convey that to people yeah you know when they don't see that and and so i think that's something that that the fans love to see yeah, no, yeah. I, I agree 100%. And uh, I think Troy is much better dressed than Bill Belichick. Um, <laughs> but uh, but you're right, you're right. I mean, there will be some things. And, you know, it's his, his job, first and foremost, is to make sure that the, the guys can win on the field, right? Um, and so there will be times, Seth, Jacob, when you guys have a question and maybe it's, maybe it's tactical, maybe it's something mental, and it's like, I don't want to give you an answer on that. And I, I can't tell him to give you an answer on that. I'm not, I'm not going to try. I'm certainly not going to try because that's not going to go well for me. Um, but, I, you know, and it's funny because I'll hear you guys ask that question. And, and I think we talked about this the other day, Seth. But, you know, I'll hear Seth, you'll ask a question. And in my head, I'll be like, Troy's not going to answer that. <laughs> not, not in the way that Seth wants. But you got to ask. You got to yeah. ask. You'd be doing your job if you didn't ask. 
Yeah, I think the going back to the press conferences being on on Twitter or whatever you guys can do, I, I think that would go a long way in kind of quelling the Troy out movement that is mm. on social media because because what what a lot of fans don't see is is Troy interacting with us and and talking to us and yeah, his answers might be kind of cookie cutter on some questions, but he does show a lot of personality and passion in a lot of his answers when he does feel like answering them and and um and it's hard you know, if you, I, I'll be perfectly candid. There are time, definitely times that I've questioned some of his tactics and some of his lineups, and and f- knowing full well that he knows the team and way more. He'll he's probably forgot more about soccer than I'll ever know. Um, no offense, but I, I yeah yeah I mean he's yeah. just, he's a genius, right? <laughs> yeah. So so I know that I'm not dumb, but but I can still question it, and. Uh, but then, like, I could be super mad at at a decision he made, and then we go to the press conference, and he comes in all smiling and happy, and and uh, and and talks to us and asks how we're doing, and it's like, man, that's just such a, such a great guy. And sometimes being the manager of a club, and and especially a, a community oriented club like New Mexico United, and everything he has done, and and what he believes on how to help New Mexico as a whole and Albuquerque, and and the stuff that he does off the pitch, it's like. Yeah, he might play Juan Pablo Guzman a little too much for my liking, but um, I'm not. I, I want him here. I'd rather him be here than anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, I totally hear what you're saying. I mean, I, I like I said, my past life, I was uh, I was a reporter, and I've covered a lot of a lot of teams. Uh, you know, college basketball, college football, college soccer, professional soccer, uh, baseball, hockey. Covered a lot of teams, uh, and I have never met a coach who is more genuine and real um, and honest, frankly, than Troy. Like you said, there, there may be some things he doesn't want to talk about, and he's got, he's got a right to do that as a coach, but he cares about you as a person, um, and he's real. I can tell you, you know, Bob Huggins, I covered him at, at West Virginia when I, I went to school there, um, head coach at, at WVU for the men's basketball team, and he is uh, notoriously indirect. Let's just say that to put it nicely. Um, he... The, f- the first question I ever asked was something tactical. They had, we had just lost a game. Uh, I don't remember who it was against, but somebody in the Big East. And I asked him some sort of technical question, and he took like three or four seconds of silence to just stare at me before he gave me like a three-word answer, and I felt like an idiot. Um, and Troy's never going to do that. Uh, Bob ended up being a really nice guy after the fact, but uh, Troy's never going to do that. Troy will give you his honest answer, his honest perception on things. Um, and like I said, he cares about this community and this club so, so much. And then I think it, it also presents an interesting, um, I don't know what the right, the, right, the right word for this is, an interesting, I guess, obstacle for you guys. I mean, so you're, you're both, you know, covering this team as journalists, but you're also both fans, right? So it's got to be hard sometimes to separate you know, you, like I said, you, you might be mad because of a tactical decision or something like that. But then you got to go into a press conference and you got to be professional about it, right? I, I would imagine that creates some some toughness for you guys. Yeah, it basically just shuts me up because there there are certain things um, that I I don't I can't figure out how to word it professionally, so I just don't say it. I just don't ask it, and I'm fine with that. Uh, and and honestly, to be perfectly Canada, I I am a fan. I am the journalism. The, yeah, we the journalism. Are. The journalism part is is maybe like this much. And I mean, 
we started Somos Unidos News and the statement was by fans for fans. I mean, it was it 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 was born out of a lack of coverage and fans going, hey, if you other fans want to hear more about the club, write more about the club, whatever, come come to us and 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 read what we write or write for us or do whatever you want. And so Seth is, is way more professional than me and Earl ever will be. But, um, but it, it is, it's because of that passion and stuff that I think our show is, it's, it's fun. It's, it's not, we're, we're not trying to be professional when we're in the show a lot of the times. And, and sometimes luckily we've never had to have you get sicked on us for anything, but um, uh, it, I don't really do the I don't really do the sicking thing. I, yeah. like I said, I, I, I'm, I'm really of the, the firm belief that people should say what they want to say, obviously within reason, you know, don't threaten anybody's family, right. but you know, like pe- people, people should be able to say what they want to say. And, you know, I, I, I don't really believe in the whole sicking thing. Now, if, if you're going to come to a press conference and be unprofessional, that's one thing, but right. I would, you guys would never do that. So it's, it's, like I said, the access is important. The ability for, for people to be able to ask questions is important. The, pe- the ability for people to be able to be heard in general is important. So the the whole sicking thing, that's, that's just that's just never gonna be me. Well, I I know Earl would appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, like Jacob said, you know, we like to, we come on our podcast, we like to have fun with it, and you know we like we feel like we can be critical, we can second guess, we can do things, and obviously you know Earl is. Earl, I'm sure you know, uh, is not a huge fan of you know Juan Pablo being played as much as he is, and and sure. uh, you know he's been critical of, of Alex at times, and and so he we actually had dumb. Uh, yeah, he's dumb to be fair, <laughs> yeah, well, I don't yeah. Know why he is, but he is. I think yeah. it, it. I know actually, I know where it comes from because I was on the same boat before the season started. We're both huge fans of Phil, and when Cody got moved to New York City, uh, which was a great thing for him. Me and Earl both felt, oh, this is great. Phil's going to get a chance to shine. And then when you bring in Alex, and and he's a world-class talent and and has been huge for us and is obviously uh, the right choice to start at the moment. Uh, I, I don't think Troy would, would put him in there if, if Phil was better than him. Um, but it's a, it's a love for Phil that has translated into a – distaste for alex even if even if it's not warranted whatsoever well i yeah i I mean i i love phil uh phil is an incredible guy and a hell of a goalkeeper and i i think he's he's absolutely fantastic and i think what you're describing is kind of similar to what rj uh montano dealt with in 2019 and 2020 he was the biggest biggest ben bury fan and i love ben ben is wonderful even though he plays for that team down south that we don't like now i love ben he's a great guy great goalkeeper and RJ was always talking about how much he wanted to see Ben play because Ben is great. Um, and that almost kind of grew into, you know, frustration with Cody. Um, and again, while, while I get it, it's not Cody's fault that he's doing a hell of a job. You know, it's, it's not Cody's fault that he's earned it. We should be, I'm, I'm thrilled for Cody. Um, I, you, can, you can be both at the same time, right? Like I want to see Phil be the best goalkeeper in the league, right? And I want to see Alex be the best goalkeeper in the league. I, I love both these guys. They're both great dudes. And and the the thing is, for me anyway, you know, I, I trust that Troy has given each of these guys their their best shot, whether they're in goal or striker or midfield or defense. Um, and Alex is, has earned where he is. And Phil 
you know, hopefully he gets his opportunities when the time is right. Um, and, you know, until then, you know, I, I'm cheering for the guy that's in goal. But again, you got everybody's got their right to say, damn, it should have been this guy. It should have been that guy. Uh, ultimately, neither you nor Seth nor myself are the ones who decide who the 11 or 18 on the sheet are. Yeah, you know, we try to guess and we're often never right. <laughs> I, and, uh, I never get that right. I never get that right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the conversation about, you know, Alex versus uh, versus Phil and, you know, we actually brought on uh, Casey Gasson a few weeks yeah. ago. And uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you heard uh, heard that conversation, but uh, we had because Earl had a number of issues with how Alex was playing and he wasn't listening to us. So we brought Casey on and Casey's like, yeah, no, Earl, you're wrong. <laughs> we're like you know earl listen to the professional goalkeeper here and you know that's again part of the community like we we've, we've been able to build that connection there you know through through the soul and the runners and you guys and you know we're bringing we're able to talk to folks who who may have a little bit more understanding than, than we do and yeah i think that's it, great yeah i it's, it's always good to get the kind of that expertise from somebody who actually has played the position right like i played it in asl at a really bad level so i'm not going to be much help to you mm-hmm. um but like I said, I love Phil and Alex, so that that just kind of works out works out well for me. Uh, so I mean, let's let's talk about the bond a little bit. Uh, you know, we talk, I talked to Peter yesterday, talked a little bit about that, and uh, your club has. And, and one thing that I want to point out that I know the video has gotten some views, the podcast has got some listens. Um, one of the things that Peter said, and and in the in the press conference last week, it was it was said thirty two and a half million. Yesterday, Peter said minimum. 32 and a half million. So it sounds like, you know, he, but he didn't want to put a cap on the amount that the club is willing to invest. And so, you know, Peter kind of touched on a little bit uh, from your perspective, you know, from what you see on social media, I'm sure you have interactions with folks probably calling into the office and talking to you guys about it. What is your interaction? What have your interactions been like with the community, you know, prior to the press conference last week? And has that changed any sense? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it's been, just start off pretty broadly, it's, it's been kind of all over the place, right? You have people who immediately are on board, you have people who immediately hate it, and you've got the vast majority of people who are somewhere in between. Um, and the most important thing that we can do is have these conversations, one, not just to convince people to vote for the stadium, although that's that's great, but just to get people answers to questions, right? It's, it's a big deal. It's a big, big deal. I mean, it's a $50 million bond issue. It's a potentially 80 to 85, whatever the number is, million dollar stadium. Like that is not a small thing. And so we shouldn't overlook people's concerns. It's perfectly reasonable for people to have concerns about these things. So we need to be willing to talk to people, listen to their concerns, answer their questions. And that's been the most crucial thing. And the thing we've, we've done and we're, we're continuing to do, we've had these community conversations, Seth, I know you've been in a few of those. Um, that's absolutely crucial. As far as the the ads you're talking about there, um, I think I think it's been I think it's been more positive since people have started to see those things because I think there's been a, a fair amount of misinformation regarding the bond in general on social media, um, and I think a lot of that has come from folks who are opposed. Um, and look, if you if you get all the facts, um, you know all the information, and you vote no, that's, you're perfectly in your right to do so. But we just want to make sure that people have all the information, people have all the facts, that they're not relying on misinformation. And so that's why it's been so crucial to make sure we get the word out, um, you know, about these misconceptions that, you know, it's not going to be owned by the by the city. And I mean, excuse me, by the team. That's absolutely crucial. 
Um, you know, the vast majority of these stadium projects uh, where the city puts in money in a bond and the club puts in some money, the vast, vast, vast majority of them, the club ends up owning the stadium. I, I've actually, I've done doing a lot of research on this, you know, this has kind of been my last few months. Um, you know, I am unaware of a stadium project where the club put in such a high percentage of the money and they didn't own the same. I've never seen it at, in any sport, at any level. Um, so it's, it's a really interesting thing. And so that, that's one of the mis misconceptions that we have to work on. And then there's tons of other ones, but getting the word out, having conversations with people, listening to people is the most important thing we can do. Yeah. And also in our conversation with Peter yesterday, he, he talked about the, the, the community benefits agreement. And he, you know, we didn't get a ch chance to talk about, you know, during the show itself, but he, we talked about it afterwards and he really wanted to, to emphasize this point is that without this benefits agreement that, that goes into place first, you know, whichever neighborhood the, the stadium goes into, whether it's Borellas or, you know, Sawmill area or wherever it may be, that the club is investing money in these communities. They're making promises to these communities that it's not, that they're not just going to come in and like move people out of their homes. They're not just going to come in and, you know, gentrify the entire area and so you know peter really wanted to stress that this is out there and while we don't necessarily have you know like all the details on this yet uh the club is absolutely invested in these areas yeah a hundred percent and you know it's kind of something that's really unheard of is that you know when that letter of intent was signed we had the press conference last week about that one of the things that was included in the letter of intent is that a cba is required before we can start the stadium I, I think that's pretty unprecedented. I, I'm unaware of any other project that has done that. The community benefits agreement has to be agreed between the city, the club, and the community that the stadium will be placed in prior to shovels going into the ground. And that's absolutely crucial. And that's something that we pushed for. It's something that we wanted because we want the community to want us there. We don't want to be in a place where we're not wanted. We want to be in a place where we can improve the community, where we can grow the community, where we can make things better. Um, that's the goal. You know, we happen to be a soccer team, but first and foremost, we're a community impact organization. And that has always been the case and will always be the case. Um, so, you know, we've got to get we are now legally required to make sure we have a CBA before we can put shovels in the ground. And that's the way it should be. So we address these issues. We address the issues that are important to these individual communities. So whether it's, you know, things like business incubators or things like, you know, fighting crime, you know, making sure we put up lighting. It could be things like you know, trying to do what we can to avoid gentrification, all of these things, all of these important conversations that need to be had, we can address these things. We find other things that are important to individual communities. They tell us, and we find a way to make that work. We put together a CBA that works for everybody. Otherwise, we don't put shovels in the ground, period. So obviously we want we want this to pass and and we want to get the, the correct information out to everybody. And and uh, but but if in November it 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 gets turned down. Does the club have a plan B? That's a good question. That's a good question. I think um, obviously we're laser focused on plan A right now. Right. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, everything goes according to plan and, and, you know, November 2nd comes and goes and, and the bond gets approved and we can move forward. And, you know, the funding is in place for that to happen. If that does not happen, I think one thing that we want to make really, really clear, and I think Pete mentioned this in his conversation uh, with you guys, with you, Seth, uh, the other day, New Mexico United is not moving out of New Mexico. We're not going anywhere. Uh, this is our home. This is where we're, this is, you know, we're all either from here originally or we've lived here long term. And, you know, this isn't like some 
NFL team where the, the owner is going to pick up and move, you know, from Baltimore to Cleveland or, or whatever. We're not going anywhere. Uh, we're going to figure it out. I don't know what it looks like. I don't have an answer on that. And hopefully we don't have to find out, but right. we're not going, we're not going anywhere. Um, that's, that's the most important thing that people can know. We're going to be here. Leading up to all this, the club has done some community uh, community events. They've gone. They've done the. You guys have done the Zoom meetings. You've gone out into Barillas and to some of the communities and started talking to folks. Are there any other upcoming uh, community Zoom meetings or outreach meetings, you know, uh, in person or, or virtual that folks can attend? Yes, yes, we're working on getting a few of them set up right now. Um, working one with uh, the Spano Chamber, uh, Albuquerque Spano Chamber, to try and get one set up. Um, probably at their location in Borellis, uh, which would be a really good conversation. Hope to have a decent number of people there. Um, as you guys know, we've, we've done them so far, not entirely, but mostly via Zoom, just to be a little cautious with the with the pandemic. But I think if we do it in a way where it's, uh, you know, whether we have people, make sure people are masked or distanced or things like that, I think we can start to do some in person as well. Um, but yeah, uh, Hispano Chamber, uh, working on a few other, you know, Pete and I have gone out to individual organizations a lot too, right? Uh, Pete had a, a meeting the other day. Um, he spoke uh, with this group called the Coronado Thunderbirds, which is retirees from Kirtland Air Force Base um, and Sandia Labs. Um, talk to them a little bit. And, you know, we're going to talk to uh, some some unions and, you know, we're make sure that we get in local newsletters and, and all these kinds of things. Because like I said before, the most important thing it's making sure that people have all the right information. At that point, like I said, if you want to vote no, you want to vote yes, go right ahead. Do whatever you want to do. We just want to make sure that everybody's got the info. With with your job with the club, how nervous do you get when Peter talks to whether it's Seth yesterday or <laughs> or, or anything like that? Because because uh, there was a a hashtag Pete leaks uh, during the off season when it came to stuff. Is is, is he uh, is is it as stressful as it sounds like it would be? You're uh, you're kind of triggering some trauma for me with that hashtag. <laughs> um, so the, the thing is, the thing about Pete, um, you know, when I first started the job, yes, it was super stressful, and I'm like, oh my god, Pete, this is just what you do. And it's funny because I was on the other side prior to that, right? Like I was doing the curse cast, and when Pete came on and, and hashtag Pete leaked, it was great. I loved it. Yeah. Like, let's let's go. Let's get this stuff going. Um, and then I get to the other side. I'm like, God. Uh, coming up like damn it pete you, you can't do that like we weren't supposed to tell people about that but you know what i've, I've kind of reached a point now i think of almost like a like a zen with it like you know what we very well pete we we're gonna go on and pete may very well say some things he's not supposed to say and i will figure it out you know <laughs> I, there's, there's, I, I can tell him ahead of time hey pete make sure you don't say these things he's not going to listen to me. <laughs> he's, he's, I mean, that's just, it's, it's, he is who he is. And it's, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have him any other way, you know, that, that is who he is. And I, I am appreciative of that. And he, I, I say this unequivocally, I think he's the best owner in sports. Um, and for many reasons, but I think the biggest one is just his connection to the community. Um, he cares, he cares about the people and he cares about the fans. And, and part of that is, Pete leaks. Uh, and so I've just come to accept it and I will clean up the pieces when it happens. Yeah, I, I, I personally love it. And uh, I bet the, you do. I bet you do, Jacob. The, the, most, the most glaring one was uh, after the Salih Brian Brown transfers, um, he commented on, on Facebook. I had, I'd long thought that there was a Brian Brown 
issue is not the right word, but there was something else going on there uh, with him not being on the team or the, he wasn't playing, he wasn't on the injury report, but he, he was just nowhere to be found. And then um, after that happened, Peter was on Instagram and said, yeah, just the fit wasn't there. He, he didn't, he didn't fit with us. So we didn't fit with him, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, okay, at least I know that <laughs> something was going on there. Thank you, Pete. Yeah. And, 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 you know, that's the kind of thing, like I said, where Pete goes on and does his thing. And, you know, ahead of time, I might have been like, Pete, don't talk about that. But after that, I just like, you know what? It's probably good that people know that, you know, it's probably a good thing. Um, so, yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I honestly, like I said, I've, I've reached a point of Zen with Pete Leaks and I don't encourage it by any means, but I'm not going <laughs> to get out of shape about it. I think probably the best line that I, I've heard out of Pete at, at, at one of the press conferences is uh, uh, last week he said, I have some prepared remarks my team knows I'm not going to use. And I, thought, <laughs> I just thought that was fantastic. All right, let's be very clear. He did not prepare those remarks. It was not him. <laughs> I mean, he was certainly involved in the process, but it's just like, it's yeah, it's, it's Lucas and I working on making sure these remarks are good for him. And he likes them and we work together on it. But we put all this work into it and Pete's like, you know what? He's going to go off the cuff. But what, what I've said to him before, and, and this is 100% true, is that he's just better off the cuff. I could, I could write the, the best thing that I could think of for him, right? Um, and it, it, it'll probably feel robotic if he were to just read it. You know, that's not who Pete is. He's an excited person. He's an excitable person. And he's genuine and real. And I think that comes through when he talks to people. So I, I, I don't want to try and control Pete. I have no desire to try and control Pete. He is who he is, and we love him because of it. It, it goes back to that word that you were talking about with the fans, the passion. Um, and I think that he's one of the most passionate, not only owners in sports, but he, I think he's one of the most passionate fans of New Mexico United, even though he's the owner. Uh, he, yeah. just, he he loves the club, I think, more than anybody else. So, And, and he shows that when he talks to us. When he, ta- I mean, what other owner do you see walking around the stadium in the – right before a match shaking every hand that wants to shake his hand. And, and this was more pre pandemic than post pandemic, but that first year he was everywhere. You'd, you'd yeah. see him all the time. You'd see him at the curse tailgates. You'd see him walking on the concourse throughout the match. You'd see him everywhere. And he still and, does uh, it. He still does yeah. it. I mean, he's out there at the tailgates most days and, you know, he still jumps in with the curse for the first five Oh five of most matches. And, you know, it's, we're we're pretty lucky to have an owner like that. We really are. Um, and I, I tr- it's it's sometimes easy to overlook that kind of thing. But when you take a minute to think about, you know, we could be dealing with you know some Jerry Jones up in his ivory tower, but we're not. We got Pete, and that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I've got one final question on on the bond issue. Uh, so we're roughly thirty three, thirty two days, thirty two, thirty three days from the November second uh, election. Um, We've had the the Burnco uh, voter registration link up here on the screen for folks. Um, there's a club. I, I, I'm not sure when the last day to register to, or to make sure you're registered to vote is. Um, do you happen to know when that is? And does the club have any events between now and then that folks can that, that, that'll help folks get registered? Yeah. Uh, so I believe it's 30 days before the election. So that would be, I guess, the third uh, of October. Uh, I'll need to double check that, but I believe that's the last day to register to make sure you're you're ready to go for the election. Um, but we have had a voter registration booth at the last three home matches. Um, we'll have one more at the next upcoming home match. Hopefully that's not too late. Um, 
And that's kind of been the other thing. What we wanted to do earlier um, in my plan on that was uh, we were going to put up a big QR code on the on the screen at the at the games. I think it'd be a good idea. People could just scan it from wherever they are in the stadium. Uh, but we did. Uh, apparently, that's not allowed. So we had to like get approval from the Secretary of State, and it never came back. It was it's a whole thing. So, but we've had that booth. Um, I know we've gotten a couple dozen people registered at matches to vote, which is great, regardless of whether you're voting on the bond issue, voting for it, voting for against it, voting for mayor, whatever you're voting for. It's just good to be registered to vote in general. Um, you know, if people vote for the stadium, that's a little icing on the cake for us. Yeah, definitely. And uh, like as I mentioned to you before the show, we'll make sure we have the Burnco voter registration link in our in the show notes tonight. And uh, we'll keep putting that on social media between now and whatever the date is. Um, so yeah, folks, make, if you're not registered already, get out and register. If you need to update your registration, update your registration. But um, get registered to vote, uh, like David said, uh, whether it's for this election or the next one, whatever. It's your vote, your decision. You help decide what happens in our city and in our state. So get out and register. Um, again, we don't care. We're, we're not going to take sides, political affiliation, anything like that. Just get out and register. That's yep. your chance to have a say in how our state goes. So. Blue, red, green, and anything in between. Just vote. <laughs> there you go. Uh, moving on ahead, you know, we talked we mentioned it earlier. New Mexico United is headed out this weekend to play Loose City uh, FC for the first time ever. Uh, Louisville City is one of has been one of the premier clubs in the USL since their inception. Uh, if you know their history, they did. Uh, I believe they bought the rights from Orlando City after Orlando City went to MLS. And since then, they've done nothing but win, basically. They've got two USL League Cups. Uh, they've competed. They fin- I don't think they've finished worse than third uh, ever in their history, going back to 20, uh, uh, 2015. I apologize. They, they, they did finish sixth uh, last season. Um, but obviously, we know 2020, off year for everybody. But um, David, what are your thoughts going into this match? I mean, obviously, it's going to be tough. United has not necessarily played well on the road this year. And loose and Louisville, they they play well. They play well at home. Yeah, I mean they're they're one. They're in the coolest stadium in the USL right now, in my opinion. And I'm really excited to see that on Sunday. It's see that in person, and I'm hoping I can get a little bit of backstage tour. So if I can, I'll take some photos and, and show you what I can show you. Um, but um, I mean, they are. You, you hit the nail on the head. They're they're one of the premier teams in the league, not just in the Eastern Conference, but in the entire USL Championship. Um, they've had success from day one. I think Brad Estes is one of the best owners in in all of uh, the USL Championship. And and you guys got to remember they had a little turmoil early in the season. You know, firing John. Well, I don't know. Firing they and John Hackworth parted ways. Uh, I guess is the right way to put it. Um, but uh, you know, they had some managerial shifts, um, and it's been it's been an interesting year for them. Despite that, leading their division over you know a really good Birmingham team, by the way. Um, and I think right now, I think they're probably, if not the best, the second best team in the Eastern Conference. Tampa Bay is also really, really good, in my opinion. Um, so it's not going to be easy. But if you look at form, I think we're, we might be catching them at the right time. They've got, I think it's three straight draws. Um, you know, Birmingham is right on their, their heels. I was kind of hoping, you know, they drew 1-1 last night. I was kind of hoping the city would win because they would, I think they would have clinched a playoff spot. Um, at that point, which would maybe they would have arrested some guys. I don't know. But they like us um, they're They've got several games uh, in a row coming up uh, over the last month of the season. I think we probably have the busiest last month of the regular season and they're close uh, on our heels with that. So, you know, I, I think we had probably, in my opinion, our best road game of the season in San Antonio. 
Um, just from a defensive point of view, and you know, we get that last was 86th, I think, minute goal from Bees or, or whatever it was. Um, you know, I just think we've been really strong defensively, um, especially you think of how we played in San Antonio earlier in the year. I mean, that three no loss was was tough, and I mean, that was the beginning of that streak of, of you know seven or within that streak of seven matches without a win, and to go back there and steal a win um, in the way we did, I think, is just really kind of shows the growth of the team in that short amount of time. Um, and I think, I think we're, we're the hottest we've been in a while and loose city hasn't won in a while. Um, and I don't make predictions, um, because every time I do, we lose. So I just hope we play well and hope we can, hope we can get a win. I, I think these guys are up for it. Yeah. Looking at their schedule, they are, they, they're unbeaten in their last five. Um, mm-hmm. so their last loss was a one nil loss back on September 3rd against FC Tulsa. So, uh, they've had a pretty good run of matches there. They're, they're playing in pretty good form and, and, uh, the news, they actually had some, some big news today. Uh, Oh, the Barca kid, right? Yeah. Uh, Sociedad, uh, Jonathan yeah. Gomez is going to La Liga at the, after the end of the USL championship season. And so, um, he's been a talent and he, you know, he's developed and come up through there. And I think that's fantastic for them. And, and I think that speaks to the growth of the USL as a whole. Like we're seeing guys now you know, transferring out or, you know, we're getting, you know, supposed to record fees for some of these guys. And obviously the league isn't going to disclose the, the fee here for, for Jonathan, but sure. um, you know, they've got a, a very solid club front to back. And I think no matter what way we look at it, this is going to be a tough matchup. And I know that they had a tough match uh, midweek against Atlanta United too. Um mm-hmm. And so there's gonna be a, it's gonna be a real interesting match to see. It's gonna be a nice afternoon match for once. And yeah. And uh, you know, it's kind of, for me, it's kind of hard to pick who to key in on this match because you know, we don't see these Eastern Eastern Conference clubs right. a whole lot. And and if I'll, I'll open this up to both of you guys, if you had to pick one person on their on their roster to kind of keep an eye on, who would that be? You want to take that first, Jacob? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of gonna go chalk and say Gomez. I mean you have a, a, a USL player that's going to transfer to, to Europe. I, I want to see what the fuss is about uh, firsthand and see how he stacks up against some of our guys and how, how our, some of our guys are able to, to handle him or, or in some cases not handle him. Um, so, so I'm, I'm excited to see that and see, see what the fuss is about with him and, and go from there. Yeah. I I'm, I'm inclined to agree on Gomez and it's, it's, it's always interesting for me, um, and it's only happened a few times, but the ability to see a stack up against Eastern Conference teams, right? Because ultimately, prior to 2020, there were two different leagues entirely, with the exception of the championship game. Um, and so to see it a couple times this year, obviously, Loudon was a strange game um, in, you know, in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, a red card that shouldn't have been a red card right off the bat um, and, and all that other fun stuff. But, you know, we've got Hartford coming in. Uh, here shortly we've got Louisville obviously at the weekend so it's always interesting for me to see Eastern Conference opponents um, things that we haven't seen in the past um, and and Gomez is, is unequivocally their best player right uh, so excited to see him how how we shape up um, against a player of that talent and I think there are players of that talent throughout the league that we've we've faced before um, so I'm just interested to see it I'm interested to see uh, kind of that Eastern Western matchup. And again, excited to check out that, that awesome stadium as well. Coach is going to be upset that you left out a Charleston mention there, but 
but uh, <laughs> well, yeah, that was that was a much better result than Loudon. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, that that is true. Um, and you know, uh, the Louisville does have Cameron Lancaster. Uh, one of the obviously, he, I don't think anyone's going to catch uh, Haji Berry and the Golden Boot Race, but Cameron Lancaster comes in 15 goals on the season. Um, haven't really seen. You know, haven't really had too many opportunities to watch Lou City. I'm going to probably going to go back uh, Saturday and, and watch you know the last couple of matches if I can to kind of give it, get an idea. And you know, anytime you face someone that's got the scoring prowess that that Lancaster does, you know, we, you know, Troy was able to come out and and adjust our game plan to shut down Haji Berry um, after that after that one really good performance that he had. And I think you know we we might see something similar to that uh, with Lancaster. But again, I don't know too un- enough about him to really say for sure what we have to do to shut him down. But um, he's definitely someone to keep an eye on. And then you know they're solid at the back too. And so uh, I think we go in. On, I think we go in this weekend, and I think we're lucky if we if we get a, get a point. I mean, it's it is one of the toughest places to play in the USL. Again, a brand new stadium that they routinely fill pretty well, um, and, and against a, a damn good team. And, and Cameron Lancaster has been doing that for years too. You know, it's not just this this year. He's one of the top goal scorers all time in the USL Championship. Um, so yeah, he's he's going to be a tough guy to shut down. And you know, the the thing with Colorado Springs that you know you mentioned the goal was to shut Haji Berry down, but. In that situation, it wasn't just shutting Haji Berry down. It was it was Michael and Cian too. You know, it was it was these other players who come forward on that attacking line for Colorado Springs, and it's going to be a similar situation here. Um, I really do think that uh, you know, obviously Cameron Lancaster will be your primary focus, but uh, you can't key on him too much, or else you're going to be you're going to be hit on the backside. And, and like you said, they get a goal, and they're so defensively strong, it'll be tough to get one back. So scoring first will be key. Jacob, is there anything that you expect to see from United? Do we, do you think we go in there and play a more defensive formation? Maybe, you know, see Juan Pablo. I mean, I, and Juan Pablo had a great game uh, uh, last night. I mean, he played really well on the midfield. I think the pairing of him and Salih was absolutely fantastic. Um, do you see us going in playing more defensive on Sunday, or do you think we come out and, and try to go a little bit more attacking and, and going forward and, and try to get that early goal? I... I still think we're kind of a desperate team and and I I don't want to I don't want the players to lose that that fight that they've had the last you know four or five matches uh with the exception being that Austin Bold match. Uh so I want to see them come out and I don't I don't want to see them back on their heels. I want to see them pressing forward and and attacking and and uh, trying to take it to them and and if that leaves us open and we get beat for nothing then uh so be it. Uh hopefully the guys can can keep their heads up and 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 move on and and you know we can take it to Hartford midweek and and change our attitude there. But but I I hope that they come out and even if it's Guzman and Salih, I think I think we created a lot of chances last night. Even if uh, even if I thought going into the match that it it was going to be that Rivas and Tenari or Rivas and Salih pairing in the midfield there. Um, even though it wasn't that, I still think we we had a lot of opportunities, especially in that first half, and and um, probably should have scored more than two goals. So, so um, I hope that whoever's in there, that we just keep the right mentality of of going forward and and not giving them a healthy respect, but not being fearful if fearful of their attack, if that makes sense. 
I completely agree, uh, Jacob. And, and I kind of use a, an analogy. I, I like I love boxing. I'm a big boxing guy. Grew up watching boxing. Um, and you know, if you're you're in a you're in a prize fight, um, you come out there and you've got options, right? You can either sit back and take some hits and and hope to get a counter, um, or you can go out there and, and throw some punches and try and get a knockout. And I think. In this situation, the knockout weight makes far more sense. You go for the knockout, and again, you mentioned you, you very well may miss and catch an uppercut, but if you sit back and you take body blow after body blow after body blow, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. So go out there, take your chances, try and hit one early, uh, push, and go for the knockout. I agree with you 100%, Jake. Is, All right. So good. Do we know if Mondo's going to be – Available Sunday, or is he going to already be um, with El Salvador? I believe he's going to be with El Salvador, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Okay, yeah, like, like I mentioned earlier, that was kind of our one of our debates from the other night. It's, you know, when he was going to be gone, with, uh, how many matches would he miss? And honestly, I didn't, looking at their schedule, I didn't, I wasn't entirely sure he would miss out on this match on Sunday. I was I'm thinking, not sure. yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. not sure on that. I, I, I know that they've got a match. I would need to go back and check the schedule, but I think they've got a match that's just right next to the Hartford match, so he definitely missed that one. Uh, and I maybe maybe the match after, I'm not 100% sure. I remember looking at it and thinking he, he's probably going to miss two was my guess. Um, I, think we, I think we said like the 7th, the 10th, and the 13th, or, or somewhere around there were the yeah. three matches for El Salvador. Well, I'm hope, hopefully we've got him for a little while. I mean, he's a crucial piece of the offense, so. Um, you know, I, especially against a team as good as Louisville, I would I would hate to be without him. But if we're without him, then I hope he's kicking ass with El Salvador. <laughs> yeah, we definitely want to see him do well. You know, anytime. And I believe there were uh, I think five different USL players called up for for El Salvador. Yeah, and well, so I, all USL. I think that's a I think it's a fantastic look for the league as a whole. Fantastic for uh, for Armando and. You know, getting that exposure at the national level, going out and playing in some of these competitions against you know some of some really good squads, you know, and, and uh, Concacaf, and I think it's just great for his growth and his development, and I think it's it benefits him to go out and do that and come back and and show what he can team. do. Yeah, it benefits our team. I mean, he goes out there and you know he learns from some of the I mean the best players that El Salvador has to offer, whether they're playing in the USL or. Liga Amekis or somewhere else. And, you know, he's learning all these different things and bringing those kinds of things back. And to your, to your other point, I, I'm really looking forward to El Salvador against Jamaica because both of those teams are so USL heavy. It's going to be like a USL all-star game. It's exciting. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely gonna be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, David, you said you don't do predictions. So, uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, we do uh, a prediction every week uh, as far as the matches. Uh, Jacob, what do you think the scoreline is this week? I, I know, I know that that Tuesday I said I was going to do four nil until it happened. Um, I don't think that I don't think this match is one of the ones that I'm going to do that. Uh, I'm going to say two one United. Two one United. Okay, go into Lou City and, and steal some three points. All right, I like it. That's we've, bold. We've established Seth that as a fan first, I don't use my logical thinking brain to do predictions. <laughs> so I'm never going to say, oh, I think we lose. I, I might say we draw, but with our form. And um, and just the the hunger that we've been playing with, and and the fact that it, from here on out, every match we are we are desperate for points so that we can make the playoffs. So um, I, I just hope we keep up that energy and we go in there and and I, it might not be pretty, but uh, but I think we come away with a win. 
And, you know, to be fair, you know, I do, I do occasionally pick against this just because looking at the matchups and, and how our form has been and things like that. And, and I always, you know, always preface it and say, you know, I, I want to be wrong. I want to be proven wrong. I want us, you know, because uh, I picked against us uh, the second San Antonio match. I was right there. I picked against us the the last San Antonio match, and I was I couldn't have been happier to been to have been wrong there. Like I, I'm glad to see that. And so going into Lucy City this weekend, again, they're one of the top scoring clubs in the USL. They've got a great defensive unit. I think it goes one one. Um, I think we're, I think going, going to lose city, taking a point coming back home, you know, I know it's not three, but still picking up a point against a club like lose city. I think it's a huge, I think it's a win. I think it keeps the momentum. And I think, you know, coming back and then against Hartford and RGV again, like it's just a, a great stretch of, of points there that we can pick up. If we can get a, if we can go in there and steal a win in lose city again, potentially the toughest place to play in the USL, if we can do that. And then come back home, like you said, with matches against Hartford and RGB, which are, are matches that, uh, you know, are, are winnable. You know, they're, they're not pushovers by any means, but they're winnable. I mean, that really sets us up well for the rest of the season. You know, we've got a tough match coming up against San Diego. That's going to be tough on the road. Um, but, you know, man, we're, we're getting hot at the right time and stealing three points in the city would be wonderful. Yeah, so can't wait to see that. We're gonna have uh, this, th- you know, we're gonna have a lot to watch on Sunday. There's gonna a lot going on before the international break, and obviously we'll be cheering on Amando uh, once he leaves, and then we'll be back at the lab on Wednesday. Uh, a lot going to Hartford's gonna be interesting. Uh, again, another club that we haven't seen a whole lot of. Gonna have to do some research on that and see what's going on. But yeah, we got a real good stretch. Like I said, a real good stretch of winnable games. San Diego's gonna be tough, and uh, you know, I was looking at the, the schedules for the remaining schedules for the different teams and. RGV has seven consecutive matches all within division. That's yeah. the rest of their schedule. Uh, you know, we've got the three non non division matches still to go. So I, I think arguably our our divisional schedule is a little bit easier uh, than those non conference matchups. But it's going to be tough. Like you know, every single point is going to be valuable from here until the end of October. If it was easy, everyone would do it. <laughs> exactly. So. Um, yeah, looking, I think looking at at Austin, I know you mentioned RGVs, but Austin does not have an easy slate coming up either. They still play El Paso, they play Birmingham. Um, they've got some tough ones as well. So it it sets up it sets up well for us, knock on wood. Um, but if if this recent run of form holds true for the rest of the season, I could I could definitely see Austin and RGV um having a tough go of it going up and and if if that happens then then uh looks like we'll see phoenix uh which will be fun no we won't no we won't we gotta we gotta we gotta get that home playoff match let's get that two seed come on <laughs> oh man <laughs> aiming big over here let's it's do not it impossible it's not impossible i not impossible I mean, we're only six points back right now so i would love it uh that's for sure so yeah, yeah. So we have a fun end of the season. You know, seven matches here left in what less than thirty days. So uh, yeah. a lot of fun. Can't wait to see what happens out on the pitch. And and uh, you know, David, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate you taking time out. And and I, I know it's getting late for you. And so uh, do you have any final thoughts before Jacob closes out the show? Just excited, excited for for Lucidity on Sunday. Um, excited for the. As we mentioned, the vote on November 2nd on the stadium bond. Um, and just want to encourage people, if you have questions, 
if you have thoughts, if you have concerns, uh, you know, my, my email address, you, you can always reach out to me, David at New Mexico, UTD.com. Contact me on social media, whatever. Uh, I'm, I'm an open book and I'm happy to chat with anybody about any questions they may have and, and just, just talk through things. And yeah, you got the, the link down there at the bottom, register to vote, make sure you do. And this is a, this is a project that's going to improve our community. That's what it's always been about first. We, we, we happen to play soccer, but that's secondary to, to improving our community and always will be. So thanks for having me on guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, David. And actually I have one more question. I, I, I've been meaning to ask this for three years now. How did you end up in New Mexico? <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was a TV reporter. I came here, uh, uh got a, a job with KOAT. Uh, so I was a TV reporter at KOAT for a little while and, um, decided to get out of the news business, but fell in love with New Mexico and decided to stay. Cause it's funny when I, when I got here, I had a, a three-year contract with KOAT um and said yeah, i don't really want to be in new mexico i didn't know anything about new mexico i mean i would never been to new mexico um you know i had did never did you know it was part of the united states at least i did know that okay. I, I do right. know that i, I did Thank get an a in, US in, in geography um <laughs> but uh but i didn't know much about new mexico and, and like i said i was like i'll do my three-year contract and then i'll just move on to the next place but I got here and I fell in love with it, man. Uh, and uh, that three-year contract came and went. Um, and I just decided this is where I wanted to be. This is where I wanted to stay. And when people ask me where I'm from, I tell them I'm from New Mexico. This is this is my home. Good deal. Much like Salih said uh, not that long ago. So um, yeah. so thanks again for having you. New Mexico is lucky to have you here. I, you, you've done a done a great job with United. And, and, and we're happy as... You, you're being the person that we're dealing with. We're happy that it's you and and you coming from the fan background kind of know what we're we're thinking at times too. So I, I think it's the best of both worlds. And and thank you for coming on and and thank you for having Peter come on yesterday and talk to Seth and and um, you know we hopefully you have a safe trip. You guys have some fun over there and and get back safely. And then uh, Seth will be there Wednesday. I I unfortunately can't make midweek matches being two and a half hours away from Albuquerque, but. Uh, I'll be there in spirit and I'll be cheering from here. So until yeah. next week, guys, somos Unidos. Let's get three points. <laughs> You've been listening to Somos Mas, your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and weekly discussions from around the world of sports. Each episode is recorded live on Tuesday nights on our YouTube channel and goes live on podcast platforms around the world later in the week. Our show is written and produced by Seth Bedoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto and is edited by Seth. All episodes are recorded and edited using Zencaster and Audacity.